The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. If you like this show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcast. It is the podcast where we tell the stories of your city through the voices of your city with the help of the Boston Podcast Network. Pod617.com is where you go if you're interested in your own podcast. And speaking of podcasts, I have an expert on the line in the virtual studio who is an expert on podcasting and communication and voiceover and improv comedy and all kinds of other stuff. She she is with a company called Face to Face Pro, a consulting company that does all kinds of communication stuff. It's my friend, Deirdre McCarthy. She's here. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. I'm so excited to be here and really excited to be talking about all of the projects I've got going on. Well, time does not permit us to talk about all of them because you have about oh, come a, a, on, a million all of them. them. All right, we'll do, our, <laughs> we'll do our best. You're joining me from your, is that your home studio or is that? This is my home studio. Cool. I'm, in addition to being a coach and consultant, I also am a performer and I do voiceover work myself as well as training other people to do that. So this is my little corner of the world where I do my voiceover work. Your, your background, I know you, you've taught drama were you were you on your way to becoming the next Meryl Streep before you just decided to go into this? Or I, I don't know that that was ever necessarily the plan. The mm-hmm. plan was really to follow my bliss and to do the things that I thought were useful and important and interesting. And my path has been a very varied and winding one. So my education, which includes a bachelor's, a master's, and an MFA, cover a a number of things, including theater training, as well as communications training. I've been a copywriter, but most of the time I've been an educator. So I've been a professor for 20 plus years, teaching in both the communication department and the theater department of Bridgewater State University, as well as Emerson and Rhode Island College and Emmanuel and a few others. And, but Bridgewater kind of being my home base And it has always fascinated me the way those two areas connect, overlap, and and inform each other. So I made it my business to make that my business. So I teach communications to corporate folks with a creative slant, and I teach all of the creative performance things I do with sort of a grounding in basic communication structure. So it must really annoy you to be in boring Zoom meetings in any boring Zoom meeting, which has been our lives for the past however mm. many months. Yeah. So it, it, it sounds like what you do is, uh, for starters, if we start about the corporate folks you mm-hmm. you work with, you train them to put on a much better show to keep people yes. engaged, involved. What is that like? 
Well, so it depends on what the company needs. And I am very specific to companies. I work with them for a program that fits their needs. So basically, it might be public speaking and presentation skills, which I have a number of years of teaching public speaking, but also used to compete in public speaking, believe it or not, a glutton for punishment Mm -hmm. in college and judged and and coached for for speech teams. Mm -hmm. So if they need help with their sales pitch or just their communications with clients or anything like that, then we do a program based just for that. However, I also can go into a company and observe interpersonal communication issues they might be having within departments, within individuals, within levels of the company. And I can analyze, consult, and come up with a strategy for fixing that. Mm. And last but not least, there's also what I call conflict scripting, but it has a foot in something I call critical issue speaking. So you hear conflict all the time, and that insinuates that we're talking about fighting, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I add critical speaking because it's the issues that you have to speak about. So budget cuts or a raise that you want or uh, in a company buying out another company and departments being dismantled. So things that have to be spoken about but need to be spoken about kindly, compassionately, and effectively, I can do that as well. So, so that's wh- the corporate world. So when you're when you're crafting a message for someone that has to announce layoffs, you would mm-hmm. write jokes about uh, people being on welfare. That would be that would be absolutely <laughs> not. But that's why you're not doing that, Dave. But I yeah. I understand the the sort of gut instinct to make humor. But actually, it really comes down to leading with truth, love, and sincerity. So it sounds like, you know, corporations, where's there a place for that? But there really is, because you need to be able to say sincerely to your employees something that you know will help them, that is from a place of kindness. So what you value about them, what they've done, what you appreciate, and you can't make it up. It has to be the real deal. It has to be something you can sincerely say that about. So expressing your appreciation following that with understanding their concerns and empathizing with what is going to happen that's unpleasant and then giving a clear structured idea of how you're going to attack it from beginning to end so that people know what to expect. It's not about sugarcoating. It's not. It's about actually telling the truth, but leading with a place of appreciation and compassion. So you take, I'll take a recent example of someone who screwed up in public speaking. The, the, <laughs> the, 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 police, the police chief or whoever he was mm. in, what state was it where the... the was the, it Pennsylvania where the Asian, you're yeah. talking about the Asian slaughter, That's right. right. Is yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. So he, he went on and explained that they had apprehended this guy who had mm-hmm. shot up these massage parlors and killed mm-hmm. multiple Asian Americans. He did you see what he said? I mean he's he, Well, he, he he was compassionate to the shooter, right. if I am right. remembering correctly yeah. and not the victims, right? Yeah. So he said something about him having a bad day or yeah. The, yeah. Right. So completely inappropriate for the situation he was in. However, if he was the gentleman's defense lawyer. Right. Right. And he was yep. in a place, you know, a courtroom mm-hmm. and he was trying to help people understand why he did something so terrible. Then possibly that would have been the place to say something like that. But mm-hmm. certainly not when you're addressing 
something that has devastated so many people. Yeah, know your audience, right? What is, right. is that typical of a mistake that someone you coach might make? Or what is it? You talk about truth all the time. Is it that people come in with some idea of something that they have to say? That well, Usually it comes from a place of defensiveness. And I can actually give you a real-time example from cool. one of my clients. So one of my clients who just got actually listed as one of the top 500 salon owners in the entire country, she's up in Seattle, and when they were first coming back from COVID, the the shutdown, the original shutdown and sort of doing their beginning opening, mm-hmm. they had a list of criteria they had to follow from the state. And she called me because she was extremely concerned that some of her employees that are occasionally difficult and give her a little bit of pushback and that she feels maybe a, a little intimidated by. Mm-hmm. We're going to give her a hard time because they were not going to have as many hours. And that was the only way to keep the salon open and all of the salon personnel working mm-hmm. because they couldn't have as many people in the building. Mm-hmm. So she was anticipating a meeting where she was going to say, listen, we're not going to be able to work the same hours and people aren't going to get the shifts they want. And she was expecting the pushback. So my plan for her, and we did write it all out. We scripted it you know, as a, as a guide for her. And we said the same thing, but we led from a different place. So I had her begin by telling them how important it was for her to keep them all employed and taking care of their, their families and their needs and how she didn't want to let a single one of them go because she loved them all so much. And then to talk about how she knows they all love the clients and they want to give the clients the best you know, business model that they possibly can. And that means they have to all work really hard to keep the salon open mm. and that they're going to have to work together as a team to keep it open. And it's going to look differently than it did before, but she knows that they're all on the same side and, you know, she wouldn't want a single one of them to lose their job. So this is what it was going to look like in order to do that. So and she ended up having no pushback. So, it, so the plan, yeah. the plan worked, right? Yeah. Right, yeah, so it, it it didn't involve her lying to them. It right. didn't involve her being disingenuous. It just involved her really thinking about what they might need to hear first in order to open themselves up to something that might be difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think it, it's probably an obvious statement that politicians miss the boat when it comes to this also. And they, they, they seem to say what what their, I don't know, demographic data research has told them to say so mm-hmm. that they don't lose any voters and they end up never really speaking the whole truth. It, when it happens, you notice it. I remember once Bill Weld, when he was governor of Massachusetts, was asked about something. I don't remember what it was, but let's say it was the police. And it's like, well, the police mm-hmm. got a raw deal when you did that. And, and he said, yeah, the police did get kind of screwed on that one. Like you can't, mm-hmm. you can't win them all. And everyone was kind of taken aback. Like, I think you just yeah. said something tr- true and it's, it's refreshing right. when you hear it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And truth. But the other side of that is some people do that to a fault where they believe that because they're speaking the truth, they have the right to be blunt or rude or mean. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling the, you that you can ask for what you want and what you need, and you can do it in a respectful, honest way. Mm. And, and it's about how you frame it. It's not about making up something that isn't true. It's about how you frame it. What do you lead with? So say you came to me, Dave, and you wanted to get some coaching on some difficult conversations you were going to encounter as you were maybe divorcing somebody or, mm-hmm. 
or breaking up a, a business partnership, something that was very personal Delicate. to you, yep. right? And, you know, it's it's going to be difficult no matter what. So I wouldn't be telling you to to mislead them. I would simply be advising you to apologize for what you could sincerely apologize for first mm. so that it allows them the ability to be vulnerable and apologize. So say you were talking to a, a business person. Mm. You might say, I'm really sorry that I couldn't make this work the way we had hoped. Or I'm really sorry that I wasn't able to give the amount of hours that were required. But you'd only say that if that was actually the truth. Right. And yeah. then you could say, so what I really need to do is find a way for us to end this amicably. Mm -hmm. You can't control what their response is, but you're much more likely to get a good response if you lead with that. Even personal fights, right? I'm mm -hmm. sorry if I did if it didn't seem like I was there for you, um, but this is what it felt like to me when this happened, right? So it's everywhere. It's really on every level, whether we're talking about a president of a company making his workers or her workers feel appreciated, or you're talking about an, an incident with your best friend. I feel like you just broke up with me and I'm sad now. Yeah, um, but, never. Um, <laughs> I will never break up with you. But, but, but somehow... that's only half of my business. There's the performance half as well, which is so much fun. Uh, right. So much fun. So, Voiceover work, which mm -hmm. is a great thing to take on when you're dealing with COVID in this whole new world, because you can set up a home studio and do voiceover work. Mm -hmm. You can do commercial work where uh, all of the auditions that used to require you traveling to casting agents are mostly done through something called self-tapes now. Mm. So you're, you're literally taping your own audition at home and sending it in, which just opens an incredibly large world for people who have always wanted to be performers. I need to sign up for your next voice voiceover class. Oh, can I, I just yeah. tell you quickly yes. about the, the, so I also have showcases for my performers, which mm -hmm. means that after I've trained you for a certain amount of time, I will present you and a group of my other clients to a panel of people who work in the agencies and our own casting agencies. And I just had one in February where the five top casting agencies in Boston all had a representative. I had four people from New York and two people from LA. We did it over Zoom. It was amazing. A bunch of people are already getting auditions and wow. work from that. So it's not just about training you. It's about teaching you how to get to the next level. And that resulted in one of the voiceover casting people. She is the head of voiceover casting for DDO agency in New York. Her name is Allie Silber and she said, I really would have liked to have worked with your clients and see if they take direction well, because mm. that's how I really know mm. if I want to put somebody on my roster. Mm. And so I said, well, let's do it. And last weekend, we had a voiceover workshop where I did the first two hours. She did the second two hours. And the relationship she's developed with my clients is just you can't, you know, you can't buy that kind of connection. So I was really excited. So Let's before we go any further, people already are saying, well, where, where do I sign up for this? So how do they find out about your workshops and how to get in, how to get them in front of people that you are you are connecting them with? Well, if they're interested in becoming a client and just learning a little bit more about my services, I'm happy to do a, a half hour consult on Zoom, no cost to them. And they can reach me. And I'm assuming you're going to put this somewhere where they can 
See in, it or in the, get, yes, access all, it? <laughs> yes, it will be in the show notes of this episode. You can look right okay. now, Mr. Listener. Yes. So they can uh, reach me at Deirdre at face2facepro.com for my email. And then face2facepro.com is also my website. And I'll be posting things there. And always email me if you've got questions and we can set up a little face-to-face and I can tell you about everything that I do. I also help people create the marketing materials that they would need to be a performer. So a voiceover demo, which is the voiceover world's version of a headshot. Mm. I have photographers that work with me for headshots. If you're working on an actor's reel, I work with some filmmakers to design, create, and film those as well as edit them. It's really one-stop shopping on that note do you want to talk about podcasting yes they can utilize that because we're gonna we're gonna put our superpowers together wonder twin powers that's right i'm excited that deirdre and i are going to teach a class together on podcasting which you can can make a note of it and then i'll have all the information in the show notes but it'll be saturday april 24th and go to pod617.com for all the information or should we direct people to your website as well Either, either okay. or. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, whatever's, whatever's going to work for them. And that's face. But t- tell us the URL for that. Face to face pro.com. And the yeah. two is a number two. Numeral so two. just yes. uh, to cool. keep you going to the same, I don't know where the other one's going to send you. You never know. So face to face pro.com. Yeah. And this is a soup to nuts podcasting mm-hmm. class. Mm-hmm. So you can find a lot of different podcasting sort of how to videos or, you know, advice stuff. So what makes this different? What makes this worth the money? Well, I'll tell you, you get every aspect of it. So the first hour, we're going to talk about how to actually design the content mm. of your podcast. You've got a great idea, but you don't know how to turn that idea into a podcast. You don't know if your idea is a good one or not. You want to do a podcast, but you don't have any idea at all. Mm. Well, that first hour is going to be all about that. The second hour will be really working on those hands-on skills that you're going to need talking on a mic and interviewing and how to time things and your vocal quality, how to keep that up to snuff, all of that. And then by that time, you're going to be, okay, so how do I get this up and running? And that brings us to the technical part of it, which is really your forte. Mm -hmm. And you'll be talking to them about platforms and and where it exists and how it gets hosted and how you do all of that technical stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't imagine that anybody would leave that class not ready to do their podcast. Yeah. And there are so many people that have just the nugget of an idea. I'm mm-hmm. on a, I'm on a lot of uh, podcasting Facebook groups and such. And yeah. it does frustrate me that people ask stupid questions, but the, 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 they just, they join the group and then they say, I'm thinking about doing a podcast. Should I have a co-host? And it's just <laughs> now. Okay. So that's a great question to ask at our seminar on the, on mm-hmm. April 24th. It's just, they're asking them that would a bunch be at of- <laughs> the end of the first hour okay. and there would be so much information or the beginning of the second one, but there would be so much information that you need as your foundation in order to answer that question. Cause I'm sure, you know, that there isn't one perfect answer to that. Yeah. It depends on a, a series of things that, that are before it. And I find that people don't necessarily understand the idea of content in a podcast, because in the rest of their world, the idea is to throw as much spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. I've worked with some people and tried to guide them, but you know, you'll get um, a couple of friends 
who will say, we want to start a podcast. Everybody says we should have a podcast because we're oh, so- Oh, well, everybody, that's my voiceover clients yeah. too. Everybody says I should be a voiceover person yeah. and because of they love my voice. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. But that doesn't mean you don't need a whole bunch of skills beforehand. There's no doubt. Yeah. And I, I think, and, and tell me if you agree, Dave, mm-hmm. but I think one of the things that really differentiates podcasts from other forms of entertainment is its niche quality. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're used to, you know, commercials are, are aiming for a broad audience. You know, you want a movie to appeal to a large number of people. But for podcasting, the sheer number of podcasts and the fact that it's really somebody's talking in your ear, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's personal. It's you and them. And you're, you're listening to it driving your car. You're listening to it in your earbuds. It's really much more niche oriented. And if you don't get in the first two minutes to what I'm interested in, then I'm going to switch to another podcast. So it's okay to aim for a narrow audience and give them everything they want. I think you have to really be famous and, and already have a following to get away with a a, a sort of a widespread. Yeah. And it's everything you're saying is true. The, the, the sheer number of podcasts means that you're probably going to get about a hundred listeners and you, you might even need some luck to get a hundred listeners on the first episode. But if you have a plan and let's say you're doing a podcast about something very specific, like, I don't know, hiking in Southwestern Massachusetts or, mm-hmm. or ceramics, or, you know, you're a crazy fan of some TV show. No one's ever heard about. There's nothing wrong with it being a narrow audience. Cause the, those, those narrow audiences will be the most, loyal they'll be the ones that right, really that because are, you're giving them yeah. the thing yeah. that they can't find somewhere else right and and i think that that just goes to the joy of a podcast right mm-hmm. is that whatever you love and you're interested in can become a podcast and then other people can be interested in it so in the in the first hour we really will talk about going for something you love you can't say, what would people like to hear in a podcast? Because then you're going to be competing with somebody who who knows that area better than you. Mm-hmm. You know, you really need to say, what do I love? What would I love to talk about? Mm-hmm. What would I love to, to explore or share? What knowledge do I love sharing with people? My knowledge of music or my knowledge of bad sci-fi movies or right. whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I had two women come to me and say they – they just have such a good time together and they're always laughing and they want to, mm-hmm. they just want to talk about um, stuff off the top of their head. And I said, all right, well, it helps if the podcast is about something. Usually when you hear about a podcast, people say, Hey, have you heard about this podcast? You know what they do? They mm-hmm. go back and look at pick a disease and they give you the history of that disease. This is an mm-hmm. actual podcast. I forget what it's called, but, it, but that's something specific enough that you'll know you want to tune in. And these women, they, I said, well, what kind of things do you talk about? They said, well, remember that Peloton ad that came out that was controversial because it looked like the woman was being held captive in her own basement? And I said, yeah, of course. They said, well, we, we talked about how we hated that ad. And I'm like, all right, well, now listen, that could be your podcast. Go just just analyze as I ad. hate. Yeah, as you as you hate, or you yeah. know, or, or then then you could go back and play an ad from 1974 and talk about how it doesn't hold up. And uh, they didn't listen to me. They went and did their own podcast. See, now, and I'm already thinking, like, as you're saying that, I'm yeah. like, okay. So if they wanted to keep it broad, so you guys are getting a taste right now of what, what might happen in mm, a workshop. Yep, yep. So if they wanted to keep it broad and what they liked is that they laughed together. 
then um, I'm, I don't know if there's a podcast by this name, but I'm already thinking ladies who lunch yep. and it's, you know, middle-aged suburban moms who have a cocktail with lunch and talk about silly stuff. Mm-hmm. Then that becomes what it's about. Mm-hmm. You have to put it. If, if the subject matter isn't specific enough, then the framework mm-hmm. needs to be specific, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I identify it with it because me and my best friend do that. Mm. Or, you know, this is this is what we do at book club. We don't actually talk about the book. So again, just another title, not actually book club. Like, mm. you know, podcast yeah, yeah. titles are are shooting through my head that it's it's not impossible. It's just that you can't throw spaghetti. You're not important enough and you're right. not interesting enough. Nobody wants to know that, but that's the truth about everything. You are important enough and interesting enough about something. Right. And that's why what you, the other thing you said is true is people need to know what, what your podcast is, is about in, in the first, in the first two minutes and ideally the first 30 seconds and even more ideally the first 15 seconds, because a lot of podcasters make this, they're so excited to have a show and they get on with their co-host and what do they do? They chit chat for about three mm-hmm. minutes. Like, how are you doing? Did you have to shuffle your driveway today? Oh yes. It was such a pain. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I know how you hate that. And meanwhile, we don't, we might not even know their names. We, might, we don't know. We certainly don't know what the podcast is about. And we don't know what this particular episode is about. And yeah. you know, Joe Rogan can do that. You know, Adam Carolla well, right, can do because that. Because they, have, they yeah. have established audiences. That's right. I mean, you can't compare yourself to that. That's right. Um, and if you want to know how to be sort of interesting, when you are just riffing, then you need to come to my Monday night improv class. Did you like that slide into that <laughs> little, great. right? Yep. So on Monday nights from uh, 6.30 to 8.30, I have a virtual improv class, which you yourself, Dave, have yeah. attended Love it. on more than one occasion. Please yep. tell them how fantastic I am. It- it is. And I'll, I'll tell you that it's, it's appropriate for, I think, many different, you tell me, but let's just say beginners, you shouldn't be scared away. And no, not and, at all. And even, and I, I recommend this to all my podcasters because what it is, it, it, part of it is, is the art of conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And because, and podcasters make this mistake all the time. They come in with a list of questions for their guests and they just ask the questions and now, and it disintegrates into tedium because it's not a natural conversation, which is what a good podcast is. And yeah. improv teaches you pick, listen to the person who was just speaking before you pick up on some of the stuff that they've said and then advance it as as yeah. uh the the improv gurus say yes and you know yes and yes and and also that you're responsible for the handoff and you know the receiving so when when somebody gives you something you can't have spent all of that time thinking about what you were going to say next you have to be listening so that what you say next is applicable and you have to make sure that you leave that person room that's uh, mm. sort of the extended version of the yes and and i find that my performers get a ton out of improv my corporate guys and gra- and gals get a ton out of improv, they just, they learn how to speak off the cuff in a creative and interesting way. Mm-hmm. And it just breaks you out of that. What am I supposed to do into who am I really? How do I show myself? Yeah. How do I do what I need to do, but also show myself and, and give the best version of that self. And, it, and so it is a drop-in class. It's $20 a class. You don't have to sign up for a series of them. And again, my email, all you have to do is let me know by 6.30 on Monday that you want to come. Mm-hmm. And I give you the link for payment and you show up. And I, you said beginners are welcome. I'm not only going to say beginners are welcome. I'm going to say they are treasured because they bring a whole new energy 
and no bad habits. And often they'll excel in their very first time. And it's great to see their faces when they get it right. And, and then, and you know, it's, it's fun also because it's, they're literally called games. The exercises are literally Mm -hmm. called, let's play a game called this. And the, the two hours just, just flies by. And so it's part, that's, that's what I find so fascinating about it. It's part conversation, it's part performance, and it's part just game. Can, you know, can I, and it it really helps all the, all think of all the moments in your life where you wish you knew what to say. And instead you just kind of, right. Famous for the whole, I I thought 10 minutes later of what I should have said, right. right? right. I will train you to know how to say that right at the beginning. And I do think it's also a really loving and supportive environment. That's true. You know, that's sort of one of my roles as facilitator to make sure that that happens. Yes. You've flogged me many times for trying to correct or someone. Yeah. Dave's big on trying to correct the other people telling them how they would do it right. Um, Sometimes I think of a funny line that they could have done. And of course, right. I know it's it's all comes from a creative and wonderful place. The thing is, is that honestly, your work as a podcaster makes you uniquely equipped for improv as well. So sometimes you're a little bit of a ringer and, you know, I'm, I'm not denying your brilliance. I'm just attempting to keep the other people from feeling not brilliant because, you know, that's, <laughs> no, no, no. that's part of my role. No, I think it's, it's of the utmost importance that you make it that supportive because it is, even though it's, and I know you, you've, if circumstances were otherwise, you would do these classes live and not on Zoom. Mm-hmm. But even yeah. on Zoom, even on Zoom, it is harrowing for it to be your turn to speak, and right. your your wheels are turning, and and you're trying to think of the, kind of the perfect line, and then you, and yeah. you, everyone's afraid of of failing, but. But everyone fails. Everyone falls on their face. Well, and that's one of the greatest things about improv is you learn the art of failing spectacularly and getting right back up. I I, I can't say enough about having that skill, the ability to fail spectacularly, because not only does it help you in business and in life and in all of those places where you get hung up, but people like it when you fail and recover. They don't judge you. They, They think, wow. And they're inspired. It's it's a great thing to to send out into the universe. It it's really just nothing better than that skill. If I was gonna, you know, narrow down to one thing that you should learn in improv, and and it's that. Yeah, the, the yeah the failure is you have to embrace it. I, I'll give you mm-hmm. one quick example. So Deirdre does an exercise that I don't know if you have a name for it, but it's it's word disassociation maybe so yeah, word dissociation right yes. so the typical word association game you know i would say red and you would say you know apple or i would say apple and you would say pie and that and so word mm-hmm. disassociation your rule is that you the the next word out of your mouth has to be something that does not has nothing to do with the no previous connection word. whatsoever right so i got the person before me said unicorn and now how many, you wouldn't think it would be hard to come up with a word unrelated to unicorn. And the first thing out of my mouth said impossible, which is complete, which, which is, I got the, I got the complete, you know, uh, failure on that one because unicorns are impossible. It was one of the few words I, I picked, you know, other than well, rain, other than rainbows, it was probably the dumbest. What's really fun about that exercise yeah. too, is that anybody playing can call out, you know, can high hosey it and say, right. wait, I know a connection. Right. So not only are you exploring your ability to think creatively and quickly, but other people have to think about, can I make a connection between those two? Cause I want that person out. 
right? And so, wow, it just, it's, it's fun. It's a game, but your brain just gets exercised from every direction. It is. It's a workout for the brain. And, and, and you mentioned earlier about people being tired of Zoom, and I think it helps you get better at being on Zoom. And by the way, that's in my bag of tricks as well. So if you're going to a lot of Zoom meetings and you want to make a better impression or handle that better or suffer less from Zoom fatigue, I'm your girl. Yeah, which, which, by the way, the Zoom is going to continue. It's not going away completely. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it um, will definitely be. There are places where Zoom doesn't belong and we're going to jump right back into in person. But I think one of the things we've learned is that we don't necessarily need to be in person for a number of things. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. It's going to be here for probably forever or some version of it. And so just like when email made its first appearance, yeah. they had to actually have courses in how to write <laughs> email because it doesn't show tone. And, mm. you know, people were used to doing all of the stuff they did in email person to person. And it was a new skill set. We take it for granted now, but at the time it was a new skill set. So Zoom is a new skill set. For sure. And, you know, it's amazing that some people just still don't get that. I, I go to a, mm-hmm. a networking meeting and I, in the beginning of the pandemic, there was this guy and he's a lawyer and he's, you know, on paper, he's, he's a successful guy. He's sitting there in zoom clearly in his basement. There's like a, basically a basket of trash behind him. He's kind of mm. slumped back in his chair like this good podcast. And, and then, <laughs> and then, so, and then the funny thing is like, Six months later, I happen to be on a, a call, very similar call. The guy still had, is still in his basement. Like I, I, I felt like screaming at him, like clean up your act, buddy. It's <laughs> invest well, in a green screen. Well, even at higher something. levels, if you're using Zoom for for sales techniques, I mean, one of the things that I work with my clients on is setting up a Zoom situation where they can stand because mm. the difference oh. when you're standing and selling is is just miles above sitting and selling. And it's not something that would maybe occur to you, right? right? But you're networking in a meeting, you're standing, you're shaking hands, you're going from person to person. So how do I create something similar on Zoom? And every Zoom situation is not the same. Mm. Right. And your your, the framing of your Zoom and which settings you use, whether you're in speaker view or whether you're in gallery view, you know, uh, how you can light it, what you should wear, whether you lean into the camera or lean out. I mean, it seems all intuitive, but quite frankly, the people who do it well are not doing it intuitively. I've got it. That's the bottom line. It looks intuitive, but they're not. They're making a series of smart choices. Yeah. You just rattled off a whole bunch of stuff that's useful. Now you got me thinking. I've got this green screen behind me, which I, mm-hmm. I enjoy and I use it. But but if I were standing, I could do the meteorologist thing. You know, I want to do oh, the thing. Oh, you could. Where do, we've yes. got a, we've got a you, cold front moving up from, from Florida. Yeah. Have you know? always wanted that? Is that, <laughs> yes. that in your like list or your bucket list? Yes. I'm one yeah. of the rare people that has a fantasy about being a weatherman. No, I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I've, I've not going to lie. I've wanted to be a weather girl once or twice. Yes. Just for the wardrobe. But, you know. <laughs> Well, I don't, I, I don't know enough. So. <laughs> we are. Yeah, I want to be one of those guys who at the at the end, when the TV credits roll, it says war, David Yaz's wardrobe provided by, mm-hmm. you know, so and so, you know, that then, you know, yeah. you've made it. David Yaz's wardrobe yeah, well, provided and, by JCPenney. I got to tell you that one of my things when I'm watching newscasts is I just feel like I want to go in and train them to do better banter. Oh I've never God, heard yeah. such bad banter as the group of newscasters and and weather people at the end of their their little 
you know, newscast. Yeah. I'm just like, oh my God, get me in there to help them out because yeah. banter is just atrocious. And it's they all commit the same sin. They they mm. they turn into robots or something. It's like so, so. Remember so your remember your I, sweater tomorrow, Sally. Oh, because I know that be we have to probably end soon, but I yeah. just have to say this because you made me think of it. It's it's what I call your your actor voice, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm always training my performers. That if you tell me, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this read now and I'm going to start. And then your voice goes. So anyway, I'm like, okay, you can't put on your voice like a costume. It can't become, yeah. and, and people forget how to drink coffee or like take a bite of a sandwich or mm-hmm. all of a sudden these things that we do all day become robotic and, and crazy. So not right. easy to learn, but absolutely learnable. So you know, on, um, on the Tonight Show last night, they had this. They did a final four of news flubs, and one of the entries was this this guy who came on and he said, he's clearly reading from a teleprompter. He says, "Well, according to a recent study, you should check your panties because there might be some rice in there." That he, and then he stops and he goes, "Wait a minute, I think that was supposed to say pantries." And so, <laughs> and he he laughed and made a joke about it and then kept going, which was the right thing to do rather than to to. To panic. I and, advise and, my clients all the time. You just need to handle your mistake and go on and believe it or not. Sometimes in an audition, this is a crazy thing, but it happens. Also in a sales pitch, this mm. can happen, right? If you recover well from a mistake, you might be more memorable than the person who didn't make a mistake at all. Yeah, because you can show that you were genuine, and yes. and that's well, and that you that you have skills to recover. I mean, that's a whole thing. What happens when you forget your lines? What happens when you say the wrong thing at a product demonstration? Do you have the ability to recover from that? So yeah. it's it sometimes works in, to your advantage. Good lesson for podcasting too sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm. the, the stuff where I say, I'm going to edit this out, I end up not editing it out because it's, it's just kind of a natural little moment flub, mm-hmm. what have you. And yeah. speaking of pod- podcasting, for one final expert segue here, don't forget yes. that, as we mentioned, Deirdre and I will be putting on a, a podcasting, we'll call it Podcasting 101 for shorthand, but it'll be a podcasting class on April 24th. That's a, a Saturday. But check the show notes. I'll have all the information for it. You can go to pod617.com. And for everything, Deirdre, all the great stuff she talked about, just shoot, email is the, the best, right? Shoot you an email and find yeah, out. Yeah, email is is the best. You can also, if you find me on LinkedIn under either Deirdre McCarthy or Face to Face Pro, I'm very reactive to any communication on LinkedIn as well. Or you can email me and just remember if it has anything to do with communicating anything. Yeah. I'm your person. No doubt. I'm going to have to have, I I hate saying this because you're going to take me up on it, but I'll have to have you back on the show because I want to talk about more stuff. You you have no choice (laughs) but to have me. I'm always going to be here. Deirdre tells me to do something and I just, (laughs) I just hit record and tell her that I'm ready to start talking. Anyway, I need a communication. So good um, sales pitch for people who want to hire me to help them sell. I can get Dave to do pretty much (laughs) anything. So there you go. Yeah, you have no idea, listeners. Jeez. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Boston Podcast. Check the show notes for all the stuff again about Deidre in our class that we'll be putting on together. We hope to see you there. On behalf of my buddy for life, Deirdre, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. Mm